The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that shines a light on the ups and downs of everyday history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're talking about a chapter of the American Civil Rights Movement that doesn't get the attention it deserves. A series of protests designed to desegregate the beaches of Biloxi, Mississippi. The day was April 24, 1960. During a peaceful demonstration at Biloxi Beach, a group of black activists were attacked by white segregationists. Local physician Gilbert Mason Sr. had organized the Wade-In protest as a way to challenge the city's segregated beach policy. In the Jim Crow South, there were many public spaces closed off to African Americans, and the beach along Mississippi's Gulf Coast was one of them. Under Dr. Mason's direction, Roughly 125 black men, women, and children gathered that morning on three areas of the whites-only beach. The volunteers didn't carry signs or chant slogans. Instead, they did what any family does at the beach. They laid out blankets and chairs, sunbathed, played games, and went for a swim. They knew they wouldn't have long to enjoy the day, though. Other wade-ins had been staged before, and they had all ended the same way with black people being ordered off the beach by police and sometimes also arrested. However, the wade-in on April 24th was different. On that day, an angry mob of white men was waiting for them, armed with clubs, pipes, brass knuckles, and bricks. When the black families refused to leave the beach, the mob began its assault, setting off the most brutal race riot in Mississippi history, a day now remembered as Bloody Sunday. In the mid-20th century, public spaces were almost entirely segregated in Mississippi, even though the state had very few segregation laws on the books. 
The pervasive racism of white citizens and members of law enforcement was enough to keep the practice going without the need for an official policy. It was a similar story in other southern cities, such as Miami and St. Augustine in Florida, and in northern towns like Madison, Connecticut. A few years earlier, in each of those places, black activists had fought for their right to visit public beaches by hosting wade-ins. The new form of protest made its way to Mississippi in 1959, marking the beginning of the civil rights struggle in the state. The first Mississippi wade-in took place on May 14, 1959. That's when Dr. Gilbert Mason Sr. went for a swim in the Gulf of Mexico with some friends and their children. Not long after arriving, the group was chased off the beach by city police, who claimed the area was off-limits to black people. Dr. Mason had anticipated that response. In fact, it was the whole reason he had organized the small-scale wade-in in the first place. He knew that the county maintained the beach with taxpayer money, including that of black residents, and he believed that gave them just as much right to be there as anyone else. Their removal from the beach that day provided a legal test for that right. Mason Sr. and one of his friends went to the police station and asked to see the law they had supposedly broken, but their request was denied. The law in question was allegedly kept in a locked safe, one that conveniently could not be opened at that time. The men returned the following day, but were given a similar brush-off, and then told not to return to the beach or else they'd be arrested. Undeterred, Dr. Mason and a group of friends contacted the county board of supervisors and pled their case for equal access to the city's beaches. The board sided with the police, insisting that it was against the law for African Americans to use Biloxi Beach. As a compromise, the board offered a segregated portion of the beach just for black residents. However, Mason refused. He didn't want the right to use just a sliver of the 26-mile-long beach. He wanted access to, quote, every damn inch of it. The county considered the matter closed, but Dr. Mason did not. He decided to press the issue by hosting more wade-ins, even though there was a chance he'd be arrested or worse. He later reflected on that choice, writing, quote, I wanted to live a long life but I wanted the chance for a full and wholesome life for my family and for us as a people. On April 17, 1960, Dr. Mason staged a one-man wade-in at Biloxi Beach. No one else had heeded his call to attend the protest, so he did it alone. He was promptly arrested, but when the news got around, scores of black Biloxi residents promised to join him for the next protest. They kept their word, and on April 24th, Mason returned to the beach for his third wade-in, this time accompanied by about 125 others. The plan was to split into groups and visit the beach near three prominent downtown locations, the cemetery, the lighthouse, and the hospital. Dr. Mason would drive between those stations to make sure everything was proceeding smoothly. Before the protest got underway, he instructed the participants to leave behind anything that might be misconstrued as a weapon, even a metal nail file. Their goal was civil disobedience, and Mason wanted to reduce the risk of anyone claiming otherwise. The third wade-in began peacefully, with black families soaking up the sun and playing games along the shoreline. After a couple hours, though, a crowd of angry white men showed up to confront them. The mob was reportedly organized by the owner of a local hardware store, 
who had somehow caught wind of Mason's plan. The segregationists demanded the protesters leave the beach immediately, and when that order went ignored, they began pelting the black crowd with rocks and bricks. Fights broke out all along the beach as unarmed protesters fought for their lives against white attackers armed with clubs, chains, and in some cases, with guns. At one point, some people in the mob began firing shots above the heads of the crowd in an attempt to scare them off. No one died that day, but by the time the dust had settled, eight black men and two white men had been shot, and many others had been injured in other ways. The police were there to witness most of the violence, but they never lifted a finger to stop it. A group of white airmen from a nearby Air Force base are said to have tried to protect the injured protesters, but in the end, they too were attacked by the mob. Most of the protesters fled when the fighting began, though some were chased down and assaulted before they could get away. Dr. Mason did what he could to treat the injured, but the violence continued even after the beach was cleared. That night, white mobs drove through black neighborhoods, harassing residents and even shooting at them. Many black workers were escorted home by deputies that night, though some chose to sleep at their workplaces rather than trust their lives to the police. As the violence spread through the city, the police were forced to start cracking down on the rioters. It's worth noting, though, that most of the arrests made that night were black people, including Dr. Mason himself, who was arrested, tried, and convicted of disturbing the peace. Despite that injustice, Dr. Mason headed back to the beach for a final wait-in three years later. It took place on June 23, 1963, 11 days after the assassination of civil rights leader Medgar Evers. The protest was more somber than previous ones, as Mason and his fellow protesters planted black flags on the beach in Evers' honor. More than 2,000 white people came to disrupt that peaceful protest, but once again, it was the black participants who were arrested for trespassing. All 71 of them. Of course, the activists were betting on that happening. Their arrest was part of a larger plan to force a legal battle over Mississippi's beaches. A Biloxi branch of the NAACP swiftly formed in the wake of the city's beach riots, and with Dr. Mason installed as its president, the fight to open the beaches was just getting started. In fact, it was only one month after the final wait-in that the U.S. Justice Department sued Biloxi for banning black people from its beaches. The lawsuit dragged on for three long years, but in 1967, Biloxi lost the case, and its beaches were finally opened to the black community the following year. It was several more years before the rest of the beaches in Mississippi were officially desegregated, but it did finally happen in the early 1970s. The Biloxi wade-ins were largely overshadowed by other civil rights protests of the era, including the Greensboro lunch counter sit-ins and the famous Freedom Rider bus trips. However, in recent years, the wade-ins have garnered more attention, thanks largely to the long-running efforts of the original participants. In 2008, a section of Highway 90 was renamed the Dr. Gilbert Mason Sr. Memorial Highway, and in 2009, the state of Mississippi installed a historical marker to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the first wade-in. It now stands along Biloxi Beach as a simple tribute to a hard-won victory and to the belief that everyone, regardless of skin color, deserves the chance to live a full and wholesome life. I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today 
than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to pass them along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.